0: what's good everybody thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast on this fifth sunday of lent perhaps this season like so many others you are experiencing weariness maybe both physically and spiritually so today's podcast pastor kian delivers a message based on john 11 1 through 45 just when you think there is no hope resurrection is near and it is near in Holy Week. Starting on Sunday, April 2nd, we have our Palm Sunday service at 10 a.m. Following on the next Thursday, we have the Maundy Thursday service at 7 p.m., which is an in-person service. Our Good Friday service is at 7 p.m., which will be a podcast, and then you can see us in person on Easter Sunday at 10 a.m., We thank you again for tuning in, and have a blessed day.
1: Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 11, verse 1 through 45. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now laid sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters went, uh, sent word to Jesus, "'Lord, the one you love is sick.' When he heard this, Jesus said, "'This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it.'" Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were uh, there tried to stone you. And yet you were going back. Jesus answered, there are not 12 hours of daylight. Anyone who walks in the daytime will, st- will not stumble for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light after he said this he went on to tell them our friend lazarus has fallen asleep but i am going there to wake him up his disciples replied lord if he sleeps he will get better jesus had been speaking of his death but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep so when he told them So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will, will give you whatever you ask, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met her, him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting him. Notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and in spirit and troubled. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with straps of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus had did believed in him. This is the word of God for the people. A couple of years ago, we decided as a family to increase the number of living beings in our household. Uh, Steph and I decided that Miles and Emmett were of age to help and care for more than themselves. So we went off and we bought, uh, we went to the park Pet Smart and we bought a, a freshwater fish starter kit. We, we put everything in the cart and now it was the best part to pick out the fish. Miles and Emmett were meticulous about picking out the best fish. We got a couple of Mollies and tetras. We went home to, to get the tank ready. Uh, once we followed all the directions, it was time to acclimate the fish. And soon they were swimming around just uh, like they were at the store. After a long day of picking fish, Miles and Emmett went ahead and took an, a nap and only to wake up to find out that all the fish were floating on their side at the top of the tank. Miles had never seen a, a dead fish, but he knew something was wrong. So he called me saying, something, something doesn't seem right. I got to his, uh, his room where, where the tank stayed and, and looked at the fish and then like, looked at Miles and Emmett, uh, trying to figure out how to deliver this, um, this bad news. I said to Miles that the fish had died. He said, they're dead? And I said, yes. Something must have happened. So we searched Google and found that we needed to put a chlorine uh, neutralizer in the water because most city water has a very small amount of chlorine, enough to kill fish. Miles was relieved saying, that, that's great. We can get this stuff and then we can, we can fix the fish. And I said, yes, we can get the stuff, but it won't fix the fish. They're gone forever. And he starts to grieve along with MN, and tries to make sense of this. And the idea of death just didn't seem like the way things were supposed to be. Even getting new fish didn't quite make the experience whole for them. In our scripture reading from the Gospel of John, Jesus takes on the biggest enemy ever, that is death. Death is something that we are all familiar with. Depending on your cultural background, how you were raised, or your health situation, the topic of death is either avoided or a topic that um, is thought of often. Death uh, is something that brings up questions such as what happens after we die? Why do we die? And is there really a heaven or a hill? The Christian faith has a lot to say about death. In this passage, Jesus not only answers many of those questions uh, about death, but he confronts death head on. In our reading, we see that Jesus is informed that his friend Lazarus is sick and in the throes of death. Jesus responds by saying that he won't die. God is going to use this situation. But sure enough, Lazarus does die. In fact, by the time Jesus uh, visits Lazarus, he's been in the tomb for four days. And these four days are significant, but we'll get to that later. Jesus comes to, uh, to uh, Martha and Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and, and one of them says uh, on his path, on, on, stops Jesus on his path and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I want to stop there. Here we have one of the sisters, disciples of Jesus, Um, someone who had seen Jesus heal maybe hundreds of people through the Spirit of God. She had seen Jesus do amazing things. She, She knew that this sickness was no match for the power of God. So justifiably, this sister is probably pretty mad at Jesus. In her words to Jesus, Saying, uh, saying that if you would have been here, Lazarus would have not died. Her words had a tent of burden passing on Jesus, or even blaming, right? Of course, she says these things, keeping her trust and her worship and her honor in Jesus intact. But she is mad nonetheless. And saying to Jesus, Um, he wouldn't have died um, if you were here. That's sort of putting blame on Jesus, right? Or at least saying that, hey, Jesus, I saw that you had the power to prevent this death and you chose not to do so. I want to pause here and I want to encourage us as Christians to take a lesson from Martha. It's okay to express your frustration to God. It's okay to say to God, if you would have done something, this would not have happened. I think sometimes we feel that we are not permitted to express our frustration, our lament, or even our dis- dis- disappointment about God's behavior. We see throughout the Psalms and, and we, we see throughout Job that the writers are all expressing these frustrations with God. Hear me. God wants to, to, you to express your emotions, your frustrations, and your joys to God. It is biblical. In fact, it is not biblical to take on your emotions and uh, on yourself. It's not biblical to muster up enough strength to just push forward. In in first Peter chapter five verse seven, uh, Peter says, cast all your anxieties to God because he cares for us. You are not dishonoring God by, by, by doing this, by, by casting all your cares to God. God does not intend for you to to fake like you're strong and and hold all your stuff and and all your worries down. There is a way to lament while still trusting in God, while still knowing that God is working things out for his purpose, for good. And we see that uh, when Martha laments to Jesus. Again, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But she doesn't end there. She continues to express her trust in him by saying, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Martha teaches us not to give up hope on Jesus. Martha understood that there is absolutely nothing that she could have done, but she wasn't going to allow her limits to get in the way of the power of God. How often do we allow um, not just our unbelief, but our theology to get in the way of what God can do? Sometimes we limit God's power in our lives by putting God in our theological boxes, not so with Martha and her response to to her faith in Jesus. Jesus says to Lazarus, come out, rise again. Let's not allow our, uh, our limited understanding to get in the way of God. Let God show up and do what God wants. So Jesus goes on to see Lazarus. um, And what he does next when he he sees Lazarus, when he's at the tomb, is really, really confusing, really perplexing. Jesus, um, just having told Martha and Mary and the rest of his disciples that Lazarus was going to be resurrected, Jesus cries and he mourns over Lazarus' death. I don't know about you, but that's not at all how, what I would have done. Most of us, knowing the end of the story, knowing that this was the moment that was going to establish one of the biggest miracles of all time, we would have approached the tomb with pride. I would have been like, look at y'all crying. Don't y'all know who I am? No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus cries. In fact, It says that he weeps, which implies that he cried for a a, a long period of time. See, this gives me comfort because we all know that God is beyond time. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. And when we hear about the attributes of God, we we feel that since God has all of these amazing attributes, nothing that actually happens can faze him. But we see that that's, that's wrong through Jesus. See, here we have Jesus knowing that in a few minutes he's going to be able to hug his friend. Jesus is weeping like the rest of the people who are weeping. He's weeping as if Lazarus is going to be gone forever. See, we have a God that actually feels your hurt. Even though he knows the future, even though he may know that the hurt will pass, even though he knows uh, the plan for you, God feels your pain. He does not miss it. He does, he, does, does, he does not dismiss it. He weeps with you. Jesus didn't bypass the grieving process uh, like, like we do often. He didn't bypass the grieving process, even though he knew that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. So, so we should not. How much more should we not bypass or rush others through the grieving process as well? Christians, we do this all the time. We say, we say things like we know uh, there's, they're in a the better place or, well, she at least she knew the Lord. We are the first generation that um, that made bypassing death or stuffing down those emotions um, a, 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 a new or a common thing. We use our theolog- uh, theology of heaven to, to press it down even more. See, Paul says that the, uh, being absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. This has given Christians uh, a, 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 a false sense of comfort or comfort that Paul wasn't trying to, to give. Paul wasn't overlooking the fact that de- uh, death will one day be no more. Paul wasn't saying that when we die, uh, we, are complete, uh, we, are, uh, that we are where we're supposed to be forever, right? Paul is, is aware that those who die await the resurrection. The reason why I feel that we should not bypass death, besides the fact that all of our lives matter, right? The reason why I feel like we shouldn't bypass death is because when we say things like they are in a better place, we are accidentally saying that the good news in the gospel is that we get to go to heaven when we die. And that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not the full gospel. We are closing the gospel story too early. The full cl- gospel includes Jesus resurrecting our bodies, heaven and earth coming together, reconciliation, restoration being seen all over, Jesus ruling in totality. That's the fullness of the gospel. See, Jesus was crying not just because he loved Lazarus, but because death was never God's will, death was not God's grand plan. Death was a result of us disobeying God. Just like Miles and Emmett, when their fish died, they weren't consoled even by, by getting new fish. They know deep down that death wasn't supposed to be normal and that you can't actually replace him something. You can't actually replace Something. But Jesus answers by way of resurrection. It is biblical to be human. It is biblical to grieve death. Let's not cheapen your human experience um, by bypassing death um, because Jesus didn't. So as the story goes on, four days uh, after. Uh, Lazarus dies, Jesus comes, and he's confronted by Mary and Martha, and he weeps. And then Jesus goes to the tomb, right? And he thanks God the Father, then says, Lazarus, come out. And then the man who who had died came out, and Jesus told the people around to unbind him and let him go as he was wrapped up. We all know that rising from someone from the dead is an amazing thing an amazing miracle. But there was a reason Jesus waited past the third day to raise Lazarus from the dead. In that culture, the fourth day was a day that people uh, were officially dead. This, uh, This is the time in which the body starts to decompose from the outside. So if there was any doubt that someone was dead, the fourth day was the official pronouncement of death, partly because the smell of death starts So God wanted everyone to know that Lazarus was actually dead to point out where his body started, to to, to the point where his body started to show outward physical signs of death. If anyone were to doubt his death, they would know he was dead because of the physical signs. But where death sealed its mark, Jesus broke the seal, saying that, Not even the seal of death can hold God down. See, Jesus is the true resurrection. God's God's plan of of creation didn't didn't involve death. His plan was life. When God made you, he made you fearfully and wonderfully and uniquely. You are only you. You will always be you. There, There will never be another you. And we were meant to live forever. God won't replace you or recycle you or or create another you. You, all of you, your mind, your body, your spirit will last forever. See, our spirits and our bodies were not meant to split, but to be one. So when Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live And everyone who lives and believes in me, shall never die. When he told her that, he meant it. Jesus, in a display of his deity and correspondence with the Father and the Holy Spirit, raises Lazarus from the dead. But it doesn't end there. In a couple of weeks, we are going to come uh, to church and gather and celebrate uh, Jesus' second blow to death. This is his own resurrection. Jesus dies and and comes back. uh, He comes back to life as the firstborn from the dead. Jesus' spirit reunites with his body in shalom, as it should be, that, that wholeness forever. He is the firstborn from the dead, meaning we are next. One day we will be resurrected, experiencing shalom, being one, being whole as. We should be. Paul confirms this by saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since through a man came death, also through a man came resurrection of death. For just as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. We will live again fully Christ. He will make us new, but not, not a new as in throwing something old away and getting something new, but new as in restored and as we should be. See, death is all around us. It's not just the physical deaths, but, but heartbreaks and breakups and, and um, divided relationships and, and people harming people. But resurrection life is a response to that brokenness. We are given uh, the, the opportunity to, to, to invite people into this resurrection life. For the kingdom of God is among us. Just when you think there is no hope, there is resurrection. Just when you think that there's no hope for your child or your friend, you cry, saying, Lord, it is the fourth day my, my son or my daughter or my friend is, is gone beyond gone. They are, they've gone off the deep end. No. Resurrection life is coming. God ain't giving up. Maybe your name has been dragged through the mud, uh, even by your friends and not by your family, and, and, and people have abandoned you, but resurrection is coming. Just when you think there is no hope, resurrection is near. Because guess what? Your situation may look logically like there is no way for anything good to happen. But resurrection does not abide by the laws of logic. Resurrection does not make sense because it's not supposed to make sense. The promise of new life is not a promise that that we are in charge and that we're going to get what we want. The promise is better than that. The promise is that God and Jesus is Lord even of death itself and that what he says goes that's what we see as Christians We must choose between despair or trust We must choose to either we either we're going to give up or to go on to abandon hope or to continue in faith and that choice is not made for us but instead it's given to us and that choice can be hard the reality of, of death whatever death forms whatever forms of death comes your way the reality of death is a call to trust for we see the world we see all that it, that the world sees yet we see more We see that the dry bones of death, even our dry bones, can live again. And we see that the word of Jesus has power. Come out, the Lord calls. Come out into different life, into new life. Come out into life unknown and unexplained. Come out and trust and hope in me, Jesus Christ. He offers us a new way, a resurrection life. And we get to be invited in that today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the fact that you invite us into your life and you give us good gifts like faith, like love, like resurrection. God, we ask that we would continue to live in and lean in to this new life that you have given us. Help us to be better lovers of, of you and better lovers of our neighbors. Help us, God, to live out this resurrection life. Not just trusting in logic, but trusting that you are beyond logic. You, your understanding is beyond our understanding. We thank you so much that you, uh, you are in us and around us. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember to turn on your notifications so you can be one of the first to listen to future episodes. Also, be sure to hit that like button and share this podcast. And feel free to leave a comment or two as we would love to hear from you. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram or visit our website to stay updated with what is going on in the community. As you know, we are reliant upon the benevolent gifts of donors just like you to continue ministry in an urban setting, so if you are compelled to give, please give at donorbox.org backslash WHCC, or you can visit our website, wellingtonheightscommunitychurch.org, and hit that donate button. Hey, thanks again for tuning in. Have a blessed day.